0: <laughs> right, that's right.
1: How funny. Like. Oh, so, so we'll we'll do that, and um, I think I'm gonna go and I think I'm gonna go to Target and see if they have any hamantashen because Bill was making them this morning. Though apparently some strict devotees to the stamping out the name of Haman just call them Toshin because calling them Haman Toshin says his name. So the boo Toshins are <laughs> um, the, the three-cornered cookies with the jam in them and he was making them this morning but I don't know that he made enough. I'm like please tell me that you did more than one batch because he goes who all's coming over? I said well this is who all is invited. He goes oh. I only doubled the batch. Okay, I'll go to the store and see if I can find some. (laughs) For the people who can eat the the store-bought ones. That's right. I don't need to have you slaving away on on the Sabbath. So it it will be very fun. And um, we should have actually a little kid version script for the kids to act out. And that will be a little lighter reading than the whole Megillah. So we're in Leviticus 13 today. And I really wanted to not do Leviticus 14, but Leviticus 13 and 14 kind of go together. And I only didn't want to do it because it's long, so we're just going to speed through it. Because it's all about it's all about uh, skin. skin disorders. So the, the Lord... Do <laughs> yes. I don't need to scooch over? The Lord, that's right, that's right. Okay, so the Lord spoke to Moses i got to find Leviticus 13 here. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot. 13. Leviticus 13. One. Verse 1. Two. Yeah. Well, now yeah. verse 2. Yeah. Um, then, and, and, it, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body. Then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest, and the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. Now... In the commentary here, it says, for hundreds of years, the popular translation of tsaras has been leprosy, and it was commonly accepted that prevention of the diseases spread was the reason for the quarantine of a suspected victim of tsaras and the exclusion from the camp of a confirmed uh, etzora, the person smitten with the malady. However, Reb Hirsch demonstrates at length and conclusively that both of these notions are completely erroneous. Very briefly, he shows that the symptoms of saras, as outlined in our reading, are far different from those of leprosy, the condition of leprosy. Furthermore, if the reason for the confinement is to prevent contagion, then some of the laws would be ludicrous. For example, if the malady covers the victim's entire body, he is not tame. but if his skin begins to heal, he becomes temei. In the case of a house that is afflicted, the Torah prescribes that before the house is pronounced hame, all its contents should be removed because they would become contaminated if what were left inside at the time of the pronouncement. But if there were a danger of contagion, it would be irrational for the afflicted household items to be excluded from the quarantine. Um, So the sages teach that saras is not a bodily disease, but a physical manifestation of a spiritual malaise. A punishment designed to show the malefactor that he must mend his ways. Uh, The primary cause of it is the sin of slander. This is what um, Moses' sister and Korah, I guess, when they were slandering against Moses and they became white as snow and had to live outside the camp for like a week or whatever. Um... It is a contraction of one, the word itself is a contraction of one who spreads slander. Um, And the affliction is a punishment for the sins of bloodshed, falsehood, sexual immorality, pride, robbery, selfishness. The pattern that emerges is that it is a divine retribution for the offender's failure to feel the needs and share the hurt of others. So God rebukes this antisocial behavior by isolating him from society so that he can experience the pain he has imposed on others and heal through repentance. So the first symptom of it is a white patch on the skin, which must be at least the size of a large bean that has been estimated to be three-quarters of an inch square. Um, There are two basic shades of white. Each of the two has a secondary color, making a total of four shades. Only the priest is authorized to diagnose it. and unless a, a priest makes the pronouncement, none of these laws apply. Okay, so if you're living somewhere where there's no priest and you've got this skin condition, you don't have to, you're not obligated to do any of this. It's only once the priest uh, says so. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. Then, so, so when, we're, when we're reading through this here, don't, you know, don't think leprosy like Mother Teresa working with the lepers. This is this is not a physical condition that some people are afflicted with. This is basically your sins are coming out to manifest in your flesh, and and you get to be isolated so you can deal with that, <laughs> come to terms with what that means. So. Um, verse four but if the spot is white in the skin of his body and appears no deeper than the skin and the hair in it has not turned white the priest shall shut up the diseased person for seven days and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day and if in his eyes the disease is checked and the disease has not spread in the skin then the priest shall shut him up for another seven days and the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day and then, if the diseased area has faded and the disease has not spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only an eruption, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the eruption spreads in the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again before the priest, and the priest shall look, and if the eruption has spread in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous disease. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. So he doesn't even get that window of, let's see what happens with this, (laughs) that observation week. And if the leprous disease breaks out in the skin so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look. And if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It has all turned white and he is clean. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. If it spreads to where it covers his entire body, then he's clean. Which is one of the reasons why that rabbi is like, this cannot possibly be about the issue of it being contagious and a physical disease because yeah. that would make no sense. Right. You are thoroughly sick, you're fine. You know? <laughs> but. know. <laughs> but um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like so you've then. have seen for the last couple exactly. days you have before you die. Yes. It says, two things happen here. The affliction on the entire skin of the original affliction is still a zara's color, and the zara spreads until it covers the entire body from his head to his feet. Paradoxically, he is declared pure even though it covers his entire body. And so you can't spread it to anybody else? Is no. Well, there's this, 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 the, what the, the argument that they make is that it is not a contagious thing that has nothing to do with being contagious, that it is just your sins coming out on your body. And that the reason for isolating you is because the sins that would bring this about are you judging other people and slandering them. So, so let's say, so you're slandering people. You're a big old gossip and you're destroying everybody's character. So you break out in this. The remedy for this is to isolate you so that you don't have the privilege of being around other people. Are you really? And in that isolation, you're supposed to work it out with God as to what's going wrong in your character that you're slandering everybody in his community. So, Hollywood got it wrong too. I saw them hurt. That's right. Oh, that no. no, Not Hollywood. Hollywood always gives her a I know. know no. Every, every time I see the story of, of, of Jesus, you know, and, Jesus, again, and it's, uh, babies, yeah. arms, you see the kingdom, he's just a baby. Yeah. His arms are laying in danger. The uh-huh. There's a the wise man you don't get it i know well, he was probably child, two. yes lady, yes the, the how funny things. you see the yes you her? yes <laughs> like they're falling apart. yeah their arms are just like the zombie apocalypse they're yeah. just dropping body parts everywhere <laughs> so now he's so he's if they turn completely white with this. And it, and it also may be that it's a thorough thing and they're just, the color hasn't come back to them. You know what I mean? It may have, it, I mean, it, it may have been that it, it ran its course mm-hmm. and they can go, okay, it's, this is just the end of it. But it says in verse 14, but when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean for it is a leprous disease. But if the raw flesh recovers and turns white again, then he shall come to the priest and the priest shall examine him. And if the disease has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce the diseased person clean. He is clean. So, okay, so this is thorough in you, but you're not oozing wound. So we're okay. If there is in the skin of one's body a boil and it heals, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a reddish-white spot, then it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall look, and if it appears deeper than the skin and its hair has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease that has broken out in the boil. But if the priest examines it and there is no white hair in it and it is not deeper than the skin but has faded, then the priest shall shut him up seven days. And if it spreads in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a disease. But if the spot remains in one place and does not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. That does sound like not spreading infection. That that, that one does, and I think that um, it heals in seven to ten days. Yes, and I, you know, what's interesting to me is as I read these things, I think about, um, you know, things like pimples and and allergy, the eczemas, and the different like like we were talking about. And I think, I think of. Um, you know, we talk a lot about how sin has affected the whole world, and we can't expect to live without it touching us. And I do wonder sometimes if all of those, I mean, they're they're not that they're necessarily, a manifestation oh you know like we can look and go oh you know Marie's got a pimple she must be slandering people but that we can say that's right who are you talking about don't he trust Marie you know. <laughs> 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 That would be clean once he's at the toe. no opening <laughs> <laughs> But I just kind of wonder how much of our physical ailments are just because we are so thoroughly as a society. You know, people ask, and as we go into Revelation later, and people are like, well, how bad does it have to get? And sometimes I stop and go, how how bad is it? I don't think we realize how bad it is. I don't think we realize. You know, sometimes I'm watching TV and I'm like, Sin violation, sin violation, sin violation, witnessing sin violation. I should maybe turn the TV off. But you know, it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it is so prevalent in our society that it's just it it's it's normal and even when you acknowledge it as wrong, it's darn near impossible to completely get away from. That's why I watch TV just so I can count the sin violation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and he never talks about it. That's why yeah. that sore on it. No, good. <laughs> <kidding. laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. It's a bubup. You need a bubup <laughs> oh, <turn> <laughs> But I just I, I do wonder how many of our physical ailments are are rooted in spiritual things yeah. and we're just so removed from it that that we don't we don't know. I mean our bodies essentially at this point our bodies don't work the way they're supposed to. They they just don't. Yeah. And so so when I read things like this and I think about how you know, how when this happens, the priest was supposed to be able to know that you would know the beginning of it, you know. And, and I mean, how many times do you walk in and go, where did that come from? <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know I had, had that. You know? Yeah, it just, we're, we're all... <laughs> so, so I do read this, and I think, you know, we've got so much sin undergirding our whole society that that it's just it's got to be affecting us so if the if the skin verse 22 if this if it spreads after those seven days in the skin then the priest shall pronounce him unclean it is a disease but if the spot remains in one place and does not spread it is the scar of the boil and the priest shall pronounce him clean or when the body has has a burn on its skin and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish white or white, the priest shall examine it, and if the hair in the spot has turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, then it is a leprous disease. It has broken out in the burn and the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. That sounds like an infected. Yeah, word. that sounds like an Well, infection. it does, but I think this is also trying to distinguish between you know, oh, he's got a burn, and oh, he's got a burn that's infected. That's possibly infected or possibly this separate. I mean, because, because, because when you deal with the, with their, in the other passage where we talked about the oozing pus wounds, it was handled differently. So that's, that's why the, the rabbinic argument is that this is something different, this isn't just, because when you already have a, a burn or an open wound, you're treating it a certain way. You're outside of the camp. You're not spitting on people. You're, you know, you're, you're behaving appropriately. <laughs> and then if this happens, then it's a deeper thing. So, if the priest examines it, verse 26, uh, and there is no white hair in the spot, and it is no deeper than the skin that has faded, the priest shall shut him up seven days, and the priest shall examine him the seventh day. If it is spreading in the in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a case of leprous disease. Sounds like flesh. Yeah, but I don't know that they had that in ancient Israel. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Because um, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm thinking that. If you had that, it would be a lot more prevalent than how rarely this happened.
0: Because enough,
1: often enough, it was in the.
0: <laughs> but but it this happens. is
1: very rarely. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right. But this is this is dealing. This is specifically talking about like what happened with um, Miriam when she slandered Moses. It was like a. It was a thing. It just like manifested suddenly. No, it it, it, it appeared on you. Infected you. Well, this, yes, and we may have moved on into that, but when it talks about, there there are infection things, but then there is, this is a different, this is believed to be a different thing. This manifests in different ways, but it is, you know, that that we're, it's kind of like where people always want to go, well, what's, this? you know, do you have a sin? Do you have an unconfessed sin? Apparently, these certain things that only the priest could identify, not other people, were, yeah, there's a sin issue here, so, it was it was considered a little different than just the infection but again i'm just going on the commentary so <laughs> and frankly if you have an open wound i don't want you near me so <laughs> ew stop <laughs> ah, just wash your hands cuz you're unclean <laughs> so um, and they, and they do talk about, they, they do go on in, in 18 and 23, and it's talking about inflammations and um, okay, things so streaked with red. the the thing, and then the boil right. and the burn is just Right. Infection. Well, there's, right, and there's infections. But then what this is talking about is if in your infection, this appears, this is the leprous thing. So there's the infection, which would be de- being dealt with, which is why you're isolated for the, you know, for that period of time. But if this other thing comes out, then it's evidence of the leprosy. So it's they're dealing with them separately, and they're they're dealt with differently um, because it wouldn't just heal an infection to send you out of the camp. No, but that it can would not keep be it spreading it while you heal yourself. Yes, but if you like, if you get a burn and it gets infected, that shouldn't be contagious. But it can be. It can be. It
0: can be. On the it can be
1: now. Did they have MRSA? Did they have antibiotic-resistant bacteria back before everybody got? It didn't have the viruses <laughs> I don't know. I'll look that up. Let's just keep going. Okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> so if the spot remains in one place and does not spread in the skin but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar of the burn. When a man or woman has a disease on the head or the beard, the priest shall examine the disease, and if it appears deeper than the skin and the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch, a leprous disease of the head or the beard. Itch. Yeah. An itch. <laughs> don't scratch yeah. No. Nobody scratched their head. Yeah. I know. <laughs> don't, don't you all want to scratch your head right now? So sell some blues, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And in the, in the in the apparently in the the chumash, it's golden hairs. Oh, golden. Yes, they <laughs> prove contamination if they appear after the onset of the baldness. Yeah, this a blonde joke. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> so if you're bald and you grow some go- two, golden hairs, <laughs> two golden hairs, then yeah, that's please. not good. Just two. Two. So two of Homer them. That's right. That's right. Well, we knew that. <laughs> and apparently, the golden hair must be short and thin. Oh. Okay. And I mean, I don't know if you have like a bunch of golden hairs. Is that okay? I don't know. So. <laughs> well, if you're blonde. Well, that yeah, but is that golden? It's <laughs> <You're> just uncleaned. <laughs> well, if you're blonde, un- you should have a lot more. If you're blonde and balding, you might run into problems. <laughs> then, it could, then it could get confusing. Oh, so, <laughs> you don't talk about the wet hair all over my arms. <laughs> <laughs> so when a man I'm or woman has a disease on the head or the beard, I hope that a woman does not have a disease on the beard. But <laughs> should it, happen, <laughs> it happen, the priest shall examine <laughs> 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 the disease. And if it appears deeper than the skin and the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch, a leprous disease of the head or beard and if the priest examines the itching disease and it appears no deeper than the skin and there, there is no black hair in it then the woman should shave she should. <laughs> then the priest <laughs> shall shut up the person with the itching disease for seven days and on the seventh day the priest shall examine the disease if the itch has not spread and there is in it no yellow hair then the itch appears to be no deeper than the skin then he shall shave himself but the itch he shall not shave, and the priest shall shut up the person with the itching disease for another seven days. Wow. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the itch, and if the itch has not spread in the skin, and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. I bet they didn't shave and get Ingram hairs back then. Everything seven, 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 seven. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is the number of... It is, it is the number of spiritual perfection. It is also, um, interestingly, it is found, because I, I was just reading about this this morning, it is, it is the number of spiritual perfection. It is also the number of spiritual, well, but spiritual something is going to happen still. So it was perfect, but then there, in other places it means there's more to come. And it was also, it's also found a lot in um, HaSatan's things. You know, the, the uh, Balaam um, set up seven altars to sacrifice seven rams. And so there's a lot of copying yeah. that goes on, which is all, fa- it, 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 we find all of that in Revelation. So, so yes, you are seeing 777. Um, they with a sharp rock. I don't know maybe a knife like a, like maybe a, a knife, knife. they had the knife, a knife. they had knives they went out there Blame. with yeah. like that's their sword. their sword you know their they the bone of an ox <laughs> <laughs> their giant broadsword sword. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right yeah you don't want it to spread there so um, he says and, and also um us like the person be pure... Yeah, and I think that we are going into, you know, there there are there's different levels of different infections and things that that we are talking about. But they seem to are they really seem to argue that um, well, it says saras of the scalp or beard is different from any of those that were described above. The essence of the first affliction in this passage, which is known as nasek, is that it causes a loss of hair in the middle of the scalp or the beard. So it's like a bald patch. It's not like it's not like you're balding. It's all of a sudden. Bam! There's no hair there, and then you got golden hair growing in it, and mm-hmm. it's all funky. Rob gets um, a little bald patches when he's stressed, but does he grow golden hair there? No, no, <laughs> so I think he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, if the baldness appears in the front or back of the head, their laws are different and are found. We'll get to them. The bald spot must be at least the size of of the bean and carefully surrounded by hair. The color of the patch is immaterial, and no discoloration of the skin is necessary. Um, and the appearance of white hairs is not a proof of contamination in this case. The only way these parts of the body can be host to saras is if they have a hair loss and have the symptoms given in this passage. So they, they t- seem to... So maybe he just needs a seven-day vacation. There you go, from the stress. Yes. And, and so they, they seem what, what they seem to be suggesting is that all of these different places where the saras can appear is because there's, you know, if there's illness in the body, then it's more likely to manifest there. But the manifestation itself is of, you know, go. And, and, and you have to keep in mind also that there is a very interconnected mind-body-spirit thing going on in all of the understanding. So we might call it an infection and treat it with antibiotics and make it go underground, but there may be a spiritual thing going on you know our our culture doesn't tend to acknowledge the spiritual unless it's in a you must have a demon kind of a way you know there there's it's not it's not in a condemning you know what unconfessed sin do you have so much as a maybe go rest pray see what's underneath all of this and i think that there is wisdom in that whenever i've got something that um in fact i i've got a book and it's not a christian book by any means it is a spiritual book and I don't I don't ascribe to her teachings but I find it quite fascinating that she outlines the the body spirit or the body soul connections between different illnesses and generally people who have this illness struggle with this issue you know people who have this problem in their relationship with this mother often have you know with their mother often have this manifestation or if you're continually hurting this part of your body Consider this, and, and I have find, found almost consistently that when, you know, when I'm dealing with something chronic, I'm like, I wonder what that is, and I'll go look it up, I'm like, dang, that's the thing I'm dealing with, <laughs> and so, you know, I don't, I don't then switch to her, you know, positive spiritual affirmations, but, but I pray, and I go, okay, Lord, if there is something going on in this, help me work through this, and usually when I've worked through that issue, the physical resolves itself. And and so I think that there is, I think that, that there are different levels of the connection. And so they're not saying, you know, if you get if you if you get a burn, clearly you are wrong with God. But if in the midst of that burn, when you're properly treating it, suddenly you get an oozing infection that manifests this way, maybe something else going on. <laughs> so so you know, looking at all of that kind of just put together. Um, So the seventh day the priest shall examine the itch, um, verse verse 34, and if it is not spread in the skin and it appears to be no deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him and if the itch has spread in the skin, the priest need not seek for the yellow hair, he is unclean. But if in his eyes the itch is unchanged and black hair has grown in it, the itch is healed and he is clean. And the priest shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of the body are of a dull white, it is leucoderma that has broken out in the skin. He is clean. So that's, that's different. That just means you've got eczema or something. Um, in fact, I want to see what word they have in here for verse 39. Do, do, do. Oh, it is bohawk, that's what they call it. That does not help me at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you um, for being useless. That's right, that's right. And, and so, yeah, that doesn't really help. So verse 40, if a man's hair falls out from his head, he is bald he's clean. He's fine. (laughs) If a man's hair falls out from his forehead, he has baldness of the forehead. He's clean. (laughs) But if there is on the bald head or the bald forehead a reddish white diseased area, it is a leprous disease breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead. Then the priest shall examine him, and if the disease swelling is reddish-white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean, his disease is on his head. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That's sad. When there is a case of leprous disease in a garment, whether a woolen or a linen garment, in warp or woof of linen or wool, or in a skin or in anything made of skin, if the disease is greenish or reddish in the garment, or in the skin or in the warp or woof, or in any article made of skin, it is a case of leprous disease, and it shall be shown to the priest. And the priest shall examine the disease, and shut up that which has the disease for seven days. Then he shall examine the disease on the seventh day, if the disease has spread in the garment, in the warp, or the woof, or in the skin, whatever be the use of the skin, the disease is a persistent leprous disease, it is unclean, and he shall burn the garment, or the warp, or the wolf, the wool, or the linen, or any article made of skin that is diseased, for it is a persistent leprous disease, it shall be burned in the fire. So that sounds not like not spreading it. That sounds like mold. Well, yeah. there is a, there actually is a separate discussion of mold. I know. But, it, I mean, yes, like it does sound like mold. Yeah, mine's like Yeah. No, yeah. Um, and this... <laughs> God, <has> <laughs> so and and it is like orange and stuff, if you have orange somewhere, it that is bacteria. It's not generally mold. It's it's, it's red as so maybe it's types of bacteria. That and been it been. may be. And it may just it, it may, may be from your right God, on your And policy. it may have to do with the conditions that make you know, it may have to do with a statement about spiritual conditions that Create a host for bacteria. You know, it's it's which, like I said, we live in a society where I think we're all ripe for. We're all out of balance, and our our um, pHs are off, and our systems are messed up, and we've got allergies to things that are all around us, and we're all walking around in a cesspool of. Blech. Yeah, should, no, we should no, all be no. alone for seven days. <laughs> That's the idea of a vacation. So, And if the priest examines, and if the disease has not spread in the garment, in the warp, or the woof, or in any article made of skin, then the priest shall command that they wash the thing in which is the disease, and he shall shut it up for another seven days. And the priest shall examine the diseased thing after it has been washed. And if the appearance of the diseased area has not changed, though the disease has not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire, whether the rot is on the back or on the front. But if the priest examines, and if the diseased area has faded after it has been washed, he shall tear it out of the garment, or the skin, or the warp, or the woof. Then if it appears again in the garment, in the warp, or the woof, or in any article made of skin, it is spreading. You shall burn with fire whatever has the disease. But the garment, or the warp, or the woof, or any article made of skin from which the disease departs when you have washed it, shall then be washed a second time and be clean. This is the law for a case of leprous disease in a garment, of wool, or linen, either in the warp or the woof, or in any article made of skin, to determine whether it is clean or unclean. So Leviticus 14 has to do with cleansing from this. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. Now I I want to also, as we go into reading this, recall to your minds in the Gospels when Yeshua heals the man with leprosy and tells him, Go to the priest and present yourself and do what the priest commands. So when he goes to the priest, and it's it's one little verse, and, and and then the story moves on, and if you don't know about Leviticus 14, you don't, you missed this really big picture of what that man had to then go do. Okay, so the man who Yeshua says, go present yourself to the priest and do what he says, this is what he had to do. He had to bring, you know, had to take these sacrifices, the two live clean birds, the cedarwood, the scarlet yarn, the hyssop. Um, The priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedarwood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird go into the open field. And he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, and shave off all his hair, and bathe himself in water, and he shall be clean. And after that he may come into the camp, but live outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day he shall shave off all his hair from his head, his beard, and his eyebrows. He shall shave off all his hair, and then he shall wash his clothes, and bathe his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb a year old without blemish, and a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, and one log of oil. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering along with the log of oil, and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord." And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot keeping in mind that this speaks to what you hear, what you do, and the path you walk. And the right side is the side of mercy. So so the blood is put on it first. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand and dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and sprinkle some oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And oil is very often... Um, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So first you're, you're touched with the blood, and then you're going to be purified with the oil. And some of the oil that remains on his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on top of the blood of the guilt offering, and the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. The priest shall offer the sin offering to make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness, and afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. But if he is poor and cannot afford so much, then he shall take one male lamb for a guilt offering to be waved to make atonement for him, and a tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and a log of oil. Also two turtle doves or two pigeons, whichever he can afford. The one shall be a sin offering and the other a burnt offering. And on the eighth day, He shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord. And the priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil and the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. And He shall kill the lamb of the guilt offering and the priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand and shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And there's a seven again. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his hand on the lobe of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot in the place where the blood of the guilt offering was put and the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the lord and he shall offer of the turtledoves or pigeons whichever he can afford one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering along with a grain offering and the priest shall make atonement before the lord for him who is being cleansed This is the law for him in whom is a case of leprous disease who cannot afford the offerings for his cleansing. And this is another reason why the rabbis say there's something spiritual going on here because if you're just infected, you don't need a sin and a guilt offering. You don't need, uh, uh, you know, this this is something else is going on here. So the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, There seems to to me to be some case of disease in my house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes to examine the disease, lest all that is in the house be declared unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in to see the house, and he shall examine the disease. And if the disease is in the walls of the house, with greenish or reddish spots, and if it appears to be deeper than the surface, then the priest shall go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. That does sound like mold. Um, Well, or bacteria, because mold Mm -hmm. is different from bacteria. And the bacteria would be once it's... um, Well, the green would be the mold and the red would be the bacteria. Possibly. Except that everything in the house should have been left in there if the house has mold, because otherwise you're just removing it and taking it out into the... Which is why they, you know, they maybe they're airing it out. Yeah. Possibly. Oh my God. You know. On. And I think, and I do think, I mean, obviously there is a physical representation here of what's going on. It's just what's understood to be the cause of it. Um, and then the priest shall command <laughs> that they take out the... St- oh, if... And the priest, verse 39, shall come again on the seventh day and look. If the disease has spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take out the stones in which is the disease and throw them into an unclean place outside the city. And he shall have the inside of the house scraped all around, and the plaster that they scrape off they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and he shall take other plaster and plaster the house. If the disease breaks out again in the house, after he has taken out the stones and scraped the house and plastered it, then the priest shall go and look. And if the disease has spread in the house, it is a persistent leprous disease in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones and timber and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them out of the city to an unclean place. Moreover, whoever enters... Yeah. Moreover, whoever enters the house while it is shut up shall be unclean until the evening, and whoever sleeps in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. But if the priest comes and looks, and if the disease has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, for the disease is healed. And for the cleansing of the house, he shall take two small birds with cedarwood and scarlet yarn and hyssop, and shall kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. And shall take the cedarwood and the hyssop and the scarlet yarn along with the live bird and dip them in the blood of the bird that was killed and in the fresh water and sprinkle the house seven times. Thus, so? um, it's, an, it's a plant. It's a, like an essential oil, but oh. there, there's a hyssop uh, plant. And... picturing cleansing... Yeah. For a person with with pigeon blood. Yeah. <laughs> disease pigeon blood. Yes, and he shall let the live bird go out of the city into the open country, so he shall make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. This is the law for any case of leprous disease: for an itch, for leprous disease in a garment or in a house, and for a swelling or an eruption or a spot, to show when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law for leprous disease. Mm. Yeah, so going to Revelation. Dun dun dun. But uh, but the, that is all very important because finally. there there is the, there is the, <laughs> she goes, finally there is, the, there is the connection between the physical and and the spiritual and and that is we're going to see that a lot in Revelation. Um, Couple of things that I want to introduce as we as we move into this. First of all, the Book of Revelation is believed to be written somewhere between 70 A.D. and 95 A.D., depending on who you ask and what their thoughts are on on uh, who wrote it. Generally accepted to be by John, who wrote the Gospel of John and the letters of John though there is an argument that because it's an apocalyptic writing, and apople- apocalyptic writings uh, were often written in other people's names um, mm. to give them credit. Uh, some people argue that it's you know a couple of other people. I am of the belief that it was John, and it was written on the island of Patmos when he was in prison there for, for his faith. And I am especially of that belief because I find what he writes very consistent with the other writings. Um, we had talked before when we went through the Gospels about John's Gospel being the sowed or the most mystical level of, of the Gospels and that he has a lot of reference to ancient um, mystical writings. And and that's kind of what I've been pouring through is, is a lot of that. And, and I'm finding just some really fascinating stuff that is making so much in Revelation. I'm going, oh, okay, I get that. Uh, one of the things I want to introduce to you today is... Um, it's from the writings of the Zohar, which is an ancient mystical book. Uh, and there is a character found in, in these writings called the Metatron. And the Metatron is very much, it, it de- described very much as being a messianic figure. And is spoken of as being God it's he's spoken of as God but he's also spoken of as Messiah and um the the idea for the metatron is based on the idea that there is uh a an eternal divine heavenly throne room that Moses was shown and, and we talked about this when Moses was, you know, when it's saying to Moses, build it as you were, you know, as, according to the model you saw, and, you know, as, as it was shown to you, as it was revealed to you. So Moses, Moses got to see this eternal throne room. When the tabernacle was built and was then eventually overseen by Joshua with the Levites performing the priestly roles, there is believed that when, when the tabernacle was was built in the earthly, that another tabernacle was built in, in the celestial or in the heavenlies. And that it's a spiritual temple, a, or spiritual tabernacle, and that it is overseen by the Metatron. And we have a lot of reference in like the book of Hebrews, it compares Yeshua to Joshua. You know, it talks about him being a Joshua figure. There's a lot of connecting of those two um, people. Um, And that Michael, um, you know, the the archangel is the one who does the priestly role in that temple. So there's this idea that that is going to become more important as we go forth in Revelation. But there's this idea that there are actually four worlds, okay, that there, there are four levels of, of world, there is the material universe in which we live. Okay? This is our experience of the world. Then there is, um, and that, that's the Asia. There's the Yetzira, which is the abode of the lower angels, men's souls, the Garden of Eden, or what we would call the spiritual realm. You know, it's where it's where. Um, you know, it's, a, it's the spiritual all around us. Then there is Berea, or creation, which is considered heaven proper. It's the it's the first separation of the divine. So it's the throne room of God, where the archangels are. Okay, is this, is this, does this make sense? So we've got the, our physical that we can live in, the spiritual that occasionally breaks through. Then there's a the throne room of God. And then there is the Azilut, which is the eternal, unchanging divine world. And as we go forth in Revelation, um we have to we have to be careful that we don't read the book of revelation as a linear story because that's how most doctrines that come about in times it's because it's 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 read as a linear story this happens then this happens then this happens but there are some evidences that there are certain things happening at the same time in different So there's things happening in the physical, but then there's also things happening in the throne room of God, and then there's things, you know, and so, and there are how that all works out. Um, There is also, there is the tree of life, and I'm going to try and figure out a way to explain this better and and go into this better, but the tree of life uh, has to do, the the understanding um, of it has to do with what's called the sephiro, or the different characteristics of God. And that they are all part of Him, but that there are some that are shown to us, and we experience. You know, we we get we are made aware of different aspects of God at different times, and there is a lot of reference to uh, what's called the the Tiferet, which is right at the center, which is a very um, it's a, it's uh, one of the meanings of it is Messiah. So Messiah is at the heart of it all and pulls it all together. Um, this is just from ancient Jewish writings. And, and so I'm trying to explain a couple of these ideas so that as we go in and read them, I can show you where the arguments that, that, this might, this may be what John is talking about in, in certain parts. So we're, we're going to read revelation one today and, um, the revelation, he says, this is the revelation of Yeshua HaMashiach, which God gave him to show to his servants, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Yeshua HaMashiach, even to all that he saw. So he's saying this, you know, this is a revelation. An angel, you know, brought this to me. Um, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. <laughs> who are being blessed? That's right. So, just the very reading of this, even if we don't understand a lick of it, there's a blessing attached. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Yohanan. yeah. So, and and keeping in mind also, the time is near. You know, this was written what two thousand years ago. Near is a relative term, and, and in, in infinity. In, yes, and and in. In which realm? In the realm outside of time, where it's all happened already and is happening, and <laughs> or it was, and, to and will to be exactly. So, John, this is this is this is who this is addressed to. This letter is addressed to the seven churches that are in Asia. And and as we go into what those seven churches are next week, there there definitely is you know in ap- in apocalyptic writing there is the meaning of the letter that is written to the people group in that day. And then there is the future meaning, okay? The future meaning has to be understood in light of what the message was to that people. Does that make sense? So you can't, you can't say, well, to the church in that day he was saying this. But completely unrelated, we're pretty sure that to us he's saying this because that's cooler. You know, and, and that's, that's what we find a lot of times. If, if it doesn't make sense in light of the original audience then it, it doesn't make sense. Um, and and um, when, when, you, when we went through several years ago, um, Layla, uh, who's moved away to Florida, well, she and I went through the, the different prophets. And always there was the meaning, there was the part of the letter that was written to the people of that day, and then it would say, and in the day to come, or in the end of days, or in the day of the Lord. And then there would be an expansion on those ideas for the future. Um, So this is to the churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Yeshua HaMashiach, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And, and we find this type of language in Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah 46, where he talks about the fact that um, he will make... The, his people, you know, they will all be anointed as priests because the, the anointing as priests involved the blood and involved, um, when, and when the people became, you know, when they were, when the, first, the first Messiah that we encounter in scripture is the nation of Israel. When they, when they covenant with God, I mean, they, they kind of blow it very quickly, but they, they are anointed with the blood. Um, and so there is this picture that, that when we are anointed with the blood, we become priests. So it says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Um, this, if you go into the book of Acts, where we talk, it talks about how this is how he'll return, and we did that whole study where it's the cloud that surrounded Israel, um, you know, it's it's I do not believe that it is the puffy white clouds that he's going to, you know, float down on so much as probably a uniting of the material universe and the and the spiritual realm. Um, then he says, I am the Alpha... Oh, and keeping in mind also, the tribes of the Earth would be all of the nations that are the, peop- the, mem- the people of the nations who are not safe. So... So we find we find this this strong delineation. You are either part of Israel or part of the nations. So when you when you get saved, you stop being part of the nations. You become part of Israel. You may still live in the nations, but you're worshiping and you're spiritual, you know, you are either part of the kingdom of God or not. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Um, and we've kind of talked about this before, where in Greek it's Alpha and Omega, but in Hebrew or Aramaic it would be the Aleph and the top. It is the first and the last. It, there is theres is meaning in the first and the last. There There is, um, uh, it is about... There's also reference in the different writings I was looking at to creation and and the messianic age. There's there's all of this connection. Uh, The one word that they don't know how to translate from Hebrew is spelled aleph tav. The word is pronounced it's pronounced et. Uh, It generally is a direct object marker. But when you find it, it it usually references things that are holy, things that have to do with the temple, things that, that are set apart. And when we did the study of the prophets, it was really fascinating because in the part of the letter that was written, the part of the prophecy that was written to that time, you didn't find the word. As soon as it would say, but in the day of the Lord, in the end of days... Whatever indicating that it was talking about the future. At, 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 it was all over the prophetic picture. So what I see here is an indication that we're about to learn something about the second half of all those prophecies. The part where the Aleph Tav is tav is there, the part that is about the end of days. So he says in verse nine, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Yeshua was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Yeshua. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Um, One of the, one of the very ancient beliefs about the Sabbath, Um, just like when that temple you know, there, that tabernacle was built in the physical. There was a tabernacle erected in the heavenly. The belief is that on Shabbat, it all comes together. So on Shabbat, our experience in the physical is, is expanded to include an, an experience in the spiritual. Um, they actually believe that man is given an extra level of soul that day so that he can experience... God in a deeper way. Um, and so it's not that there is a blessing for honoring Shabbat. It's that Shabbat is a blessing, that, that participating in that is, you, you get this extra level of soul. You're there with the Lord. So he's saying, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He's, I, I, was, I was studying. I was in this deeper level of understanding. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches Well, and keeping in mind that, that elsewhere we're told that the word of God is a sharp two-edged sword. So this is saying that the, word, that the Torah is emanating from his mouth. Okay, this is, this is the, the one from whom the Torah was spoken. Uh, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, and the right hand being the hand of mercy, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And the living one, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death in Hades. Yes, it is, it is, um, but it is it is very much like the descriptions of the Metatron. This this yeah, you know, which is who you sh- you know, it's the Yeshua character. It's the person who would come and do all these things. It's the the person who would fulfill all these roles before they understood you know, who it would be. So John's able to look at all of these ancient writings and go, clearly, this is Yeshua. You know, this is who fits this role. This is who did these things. So write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. Now, this is where it's really important, and we talked about this like with Peter's dream about all the animals. Where scripture interprets itself You have to let it, okay? You can't just look at a dream or a vision and think you understand it and not read far enough to know that it's going to tell you actually what it says. So it says in verse 20, As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Um, one of the beliefs, uh, the, the ancient uh, Jewish beliefs, is that there are, spiritu- you know, in the spiritual realm, the angels, there are that there are different spirits assigned different jobs. So, um, you know, and you, it's interesting, because when you look at, like, Greek mythology or Roman mythology, essentially what you find is they give deity to these spirits and worship those spirits. So there is a spirit that is attached to the wind. There is a spirit that is responsible for gravity. There is a spirit that is supposed to hold th- things together, or um, spirits, that, angels that are in charge of different areas. We see this in the book of Daniel when, um, was it Michael comes and he says, "Well, I was I was dispatched 40 days ago, but I was fighting with the spirit of Babylon." And couldn't get out of there fast. Sorry it took me so long to get here. <laughs> you know, thanks for being faithful. And so, so there, what, what this is says is the seven stars it's that there is that there is an angel. There is a spiritual being who is responsible for the protection of each of those churches and the oversight of each of those churches. And then the seven lampstands represent those seven churches. So that is chapter one. And I thought that was a lot, so i <laughs> did go into chapter 2 where it's a lot more. <laughs> we'll do that next week. Um, when we go into the chapter 2, we're going to talk about, you know, he starts t- writing to specifically to each of the, t- the churches. And um, one of the very common ideas in that is that each of the churches represents a different age of the church. But that only comes from a very linear idea, and it's all based on the idea that whatever church is teaching that is currently the Philadelphia church. We're the one that got it all right. And the next church is going to be the really bad one that is at the time of the tribulation. So aren't we lucky we're the Philadelphia church? But that has always been the position that whoever's taught that has taken. (laughs) And there is no church age that aligns with the first five. You know, there you can't go through history and go, oh, well. See here, from one thousand to twelve hundred, it was clearly this church. You know, it's just—it's archetypes. That is—that is what the the studies that I've been reading. That is what I believe is that they are that they were literal churches, uh-huh. and that those churches had certain qualities that were archetypes of different believers and different communities going forward, and. Different communities that you would be able to find at those end of days. So these would be seven prevalent groups. You know, you're going to have your churches that are like this church. You're going to have your churches that are like this church. You're going to have your yeah. believers who are like this can church. Have it, can that apply as individuals? Yes, yes. Um, and at the but I, I think that it is more as a group about what group you are a part of. Um, one of the things I was reading talked about, uh, you know, we've, we've all heard, you know, you are not part of the church, you are the church. And it's based on the idea of translating the word Ecclesia as church. But the idea of translating it as church only comes about uh, through uh, New Testament, trans- you know, later New Testament translations. And really Ecclesia and the, the Hebrew parallel uh, is assemblies, so it is talking about the communities, the communities that you're a part of. Um, either assemblies or the messianic community are generally the, the better translations um, from the Greek. So there is an element of you, but there is also that corporate, you know, if you're a part of something, you know, if you if you've attached your, if you've attached yourself to a church that's really like this group, maybe you need to reconsider. If you've attached yourself to a group that's trying to be this way. You know, and and in each of the churches, though, he does address the faithful in each of them. So he says, you know, in each one, he goes through and he goes, but I know that there are some of you who are faithful. There are some of you who are hearers and doers of the word. You, hold fast, or you, do this, you know, or, or, and and one of the churches, he says, get out of there. You (laughs) You should not be there. This is not what's going on. So as we go through, we'll look at each of the different churches. We'll look at the qualities that they had. Um a lot of the things that are said specifically to them it's it's really amazing like the one where he talks about them being neither hot nor cold but but lukewarm they they they're in an area where there were natural sources of water and you know a a lot of times you'll hear the teaching that you want to be hot you don't want to be cold but you really don't want to be lukewarm but in truth there were healing properties to the hot waters. There were healing properties to the cold waters. Mm-hmm. But the waters that were lukewarm were the ones that were in, you know, they were the stagnant waters. Yeah. So it's being cold was just as good as being hot. Yeah. You didn't want to be stagnant. You wanted to be living water. You wanted to be flowing from a source. So so we're going to we're going to look at that kind of thing. What was going on in the you know the region of that church or in the in the geography that he references? How does his message to them, you know, how would they have have heard both the the instruction and the imagery? You know, like if some like if he were to write to us, it would be about living in the desert and it would be about, you know, things things that were related to the desert and someone Else might come along if they live in Vermont and read that and go, oh, clearly they're under judgment. Look at all this desert imagery. You know, <laughs> it's it's harsh and and dry and, and hot. Obviously, they're they're condemned. But it's it's we would be going, oh, he's talking about, you know, he's referencing the water that's inside the cactus that can save your life, or you know, or whatever. So that's the kind of stuff that, that we're gonna get into and look at um, next week in chapter two. But Questions, thoughts, anything that you want to make sure as we go into Revelation, questions you've always had that you want to make sure we cover or. Well, I like the way when he's talking to the churches, he kind of like telling the good qualities. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a couple of months, I like, thought, ooh, you almost made it. Then he goes, but. Yeah. This is what I have against you. <laughs> yes. Here's the problem. <laughs> this is like, wow, you know what I was reading? I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I'll yeah, do yeah. So far, yeah back to the butt. but here's your problem and we all have our butt you know yeah. <laughs> and she also says to them to the one who conquers yes who overcomes that yeah yeah and just because this is your challenge doesn't mean you have to give in to it that's right. you know this is this is what this is what you're facing is your challenge overcome it yes yeah. rise above and and I think it is true that different community you know different communities have different challenges and and that's okay because it's made up of humans. Sure, yeah. So, I, th- I think, I think. Is that a white spot on your No, just kidding. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Oh, funny. Well, go ahead and say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. I am in.